0: Well, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. It is the podcast that translates Donald Trump, among other people, but principally Donald Trump. So uh, we take a look at the current administration. We address the existential threats to America and those things which are said to be existential threats to America, which turn out not to be. More on that in a minute. Today, we'll hear from our friend Joel Farkas. He's a uh, businessman, very successful guy in the oil and water business and shopping center business in California. And he's got a lot of theories, which a lot of you like. I do, too. He's uh, director of the american strategy group i'm a fellow of the american strategy group here in washington but first a few things i would like to discuss i i, I want to say a few things about something other than COVID 19 is that all right yes I, I encourage that actually we should do that yes i, I hate this uh this me too stuff I, I i just hate this stuff it's just so ugly you know ugly behavior harvey weinstein these people um Who's the guy who killed himself in prison? What's his name? Oh, Epstein. Epstein. Epstein, yeah. Uh, and now Joe Biden is uh, serious accusations. So and the reason I'm bringing it up is I, I just realized these have really crossed the line of into credibility. Uh, this woman, Tara Reid, says this happened, you know, a long time ago she was working but she's got corroboration from people at the time. she uh, also has uh, a, uh, there's a tape videotape you may have heard it seen it of uh, her mom calling the Larry King show saying my daughter works for a senator some horrible behavior what could she do? what's her recourse? and other things but to me the most uh, telling uh, is that uh, is what I call the Tim russert test this came out during the Clinton era okay. And Tim Russert said these accusations against Clinton, if they weren't true at all you know, about Monica Lewinsky, he would um, he'd be standing on the rooftop shouting it to the to the crowds. This is crazy. It's never right. happened Yep. All you're getting from the Biden campaign is um Denials. And also some fishy stuff, uh, you know, kind of re- misreporting what uh, The New York Times said. And New York Times didn't like that uh, uh, Biden campaign essentially saying that, you know, they got a clean bill of health from The New York Times investigation. New York Times not so sure about that and sort of called them on that. So uh, he, he needs to come forward on this. And, um, you know, they're in, a, they're in a terrible bind in that party because, uh, you know, believe the woman. That's that's the. You know, that's the mantra. Believe the woman. I will not bring up what everyone else is because it's so obvious. This was this was the the Biden standard is not standard they used to go after Brett Kavanaugh. Evidence was a lot flimsier. And, And we need to hear from Biden. If he can put together two or three coherent sentences on this, it would be helpful to his cause. Actually, if he could put together two or three coherent sentences on anything, it would be helpful to his cause. Anyway, I just want to put down a marker. I I try to ignore these things because I just just find them kind of disgusting and horrible. You know, she said, he said, but yeah, this one is, uh, as I said, crossed the line into credibility. Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about COVID-19. Britain five op-eds now in the last three weeks, four weeks. Seth Liebson and I. Uh, and I just want to uh, let me use this as an example, state of Minnesota. This happened uh, on the uh, let's see the uh, 21 22nd. Uh, daily Briefing. Minnesota Department of Health Commissioner. Jen Malcolm opened comments and said there were 18 new deaths attributable to the coronavirus. She said over half of the new deaths were uh, people who were uh, residents of long-term care facilities. 18 new deaths, more than half were long-term um a reporter from a TV station said you said more than half of the uh, 18 were from uh, long-term health long-term care facilities. Uh, and um, nursing homes, basically. Uh, what, what was it exactly? She said, oh, 16. Uh, Claudia, you hear that's 16 out of 18. Okay. Well, that's, that's more than half. <laughs> yeah. So if there are 319 deaths in Minnesota... Uh, If 249 of 319 of the deaths in Minnesota were residents of long-term care facilities, what share thought this reporter of the total of people who died, either died in nursing homes or otherwise had significant underlying conditions? The Minnesota uh, infectious disease director said uh, 99.24%. Almost everybody who died in Minnesota was old, had underlying conditions, Mm -hmm. and most of them were in long-term facilities, uh, nursing homes. This is becoming, it is becoming clear that more and more, this is an ailment of the old and the, the quite old, actually, over 70, and the infirm. Um, just a couple more thoughts on that. Right now, we know 90% of the deaths are, are people over 55. 85% of the deaths are people over 65. That's national. We are not all in this together in the same way. Um, older people have much more skin in this game than younger people. Uh Get these numbers in New York City, the epicenter of this, the death rate for people 18 to 45 infected is 0.01 percent. Okay. People 18 to 45, 0.01 percent, 11 people out of 100,000, one person out of 10,000 who's 18 to 45. For 75 and over, it's 80 times that. Is that is if you're 75 or over and you have the virus, uh it's a 0.8 oh, less uh, 0.8 of a percent. That's a lot more than if 18 to 45, but it's It's less than one out of a 100 if you have the virus and you're over 75. I mean, come on, you know, this is I mean, I I regret every death, but this is not destroying the nation.
1: Yeah. And I hope listeners hear that and and that it's reflected in the fact that you're not downplaying anyone's death. And it's not taking anything lightly. It's taking a look at the number so we can assess the threat to the mass population. That's right.
0: And in addition, uh, let's weigh that against what kind of death numbers decedents we have as a result of these lockdowns from opioid use and alcoholism and child abuse and suicide and and a host of other things and lost jobs which eventually can lead to problems and how many people aren't going to the hospitals a lot apparently to have their you know heart checked or their cancer screening or their uh, therapy you know chemotherapy Okay, As people 18 to 45 is 0.01 percent. For people 75 and over who are infected, it's less than one percent. For people under 18 in New York City who are infected with the coronavirus, do you know what the death rate is? Oh man, I have no clue. People under Zero. 18 oh, okay well that was going to say uh, probably closer to that 0.870. Zero, zero. That needs to be borne in mind when we think about schools. I know people say, well, it's not to protect the kids, it's to protect the grandparents. Grandparents safer with the kids at home all the time? Uh, it's not the flu, but it's, it's, it's a lot more like the flu than the Black Death. It's not the Black Plague. Uh, those predictions, those models, I will say it again. You heard me say it last week. They are the most colossal and costly mistaken forecasts of all time. The people have said 2.2 million. So if you move forward, and now we're all talking about opening up the states. Okay, look at it geographically, you know, in terms of the numbers. And, you know, some states don't have very many. We, the last piece we did, perhaps you could put a link up, Claude, is a piece comparing uh, Florida and New York. Sure, it'll be on Facebook. Cuomo sent uh, sick elderly people into nursing homes. Not a good idea. It seems to be the worst place to send Yeah, to send that is the worst place to send them. Anyway, Ron DeSantis in Florida, I think, has done a much better job. People can look at that piece. We compare the two governors. It's one other thing I want to say, and this is particularly bothersome to me. Chris Wallace, along with lots of other people, said, uh, Well, today, you know, the 50,000 deaths from COVID, we've passed the number of people who died in Vietnam, right? Does it matter to you, Claude, and be honest? But the average age of a COVID death is 72. The average age of a Vietnam death was 23. Wow. This is this fair to I mean. say? yeah, you know, no. Obviously, each death is sad. Each death is you know, a loss. All the drop scenes drop at once upon 100,000 stages, the, the poet Yeats says. But um, and there are tears for passing things. There are tears at the funeral of a 72-year-old yes. grandpa. Mm-hmm. There are tears at the funeral, the placing of the flag on the lap of the mother of a 23-year-old. I think the tears and the hurt last longer in the latter than the former. Mm. We, we, we mourn for grandpa. We yes. sure do, and we miss him. That was the first death in my family. I remember crying my eyes out. But the loss of a child, loss of a 23-year-old. There is a, a, a nice expression called living days stolen. Years of life lost, living days stolen. I don't want to hear this Vietnam COVID-19 comparison again. I really don't. I really don't. All right. I just uh, so get that off my chest. Continuing to write about this and will. I don't know what happens next. I think that if Georgia, which was the first state to really open big time, some states, of course, never fully closed. Uh, if it's not if you get terrible results, it'll open the way for a lot of other states. Um, I have to tell you, I think a lot of the media is watching Georgia and the first death that comes here, they're going to say, yeah, because they opened early. Of course, there's a big lag time, but they're not going to take that into account. But um, the country's got to get back. Look at the unemployment numbers. You know, look at the the hit in the economy. Look at that. Look what's happened to people and their lives. People talk about the disproportionate effect on um, minorities with COVID. Sure. Uh, you know, pre-existing conditions, a lot of hypertension, a lot of obesity, other things, you know, in the whole population. But some some things are more intense in some communities than others. But what about the cost in those communities of people who lose their jobs? I, I've heard a lot more about people who are miserable having lost their job and are in despair. So sure. I sent a note to the president. I know he got it. I said, you know, there's some good news here. Things are opening up. Death rates go down. Cuomo had to send back those ventilators because he didn't need them. He sent the shit back. <laughs>
1: I didn't see that in the news. <laughs> and, uh, yeah,
0: and I said, you know, next time the press uh, is on you, you know, give them the reports and the numbers and how things are looking better right now, guardedly optimistic, and just say, are you people impervious to good news? Just impervious? Could you just not, you know? Anyway, <laughs> right. answers, the answer of is yes, of course. Um, I'm getting a lot of uh, reaction. Someone said they were going to steal it on another show Okay. to my uh, college football season proposal. It's a good one. It's a good I one. I think I'll do it again. I think we should just play the god <laughs> season. But if not. Here's what you do. Mm -hmm. Let's say you got 100, I don't know, you tell me, how many major college football stadiums are there in the country? 200? Let's say there's 200. Mm -hmm. All right, so take the uh, SEC, uh, put Vanderbilt over in the uh, ACC, (laughs) trade Vanderbilt for Clemson, put Clemson back in the SEC. That's all the teams you need to worry about. For the most part, yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, Notre Dame shows up, they don't show up. Oklahoma shows up, they don't really show up. Sometimes they come close. Every now and then. Ohio State. Ohio, yeah, every you know, now and again, they'll, yeah. Ohio State occasionally gets somewhere. <laughs> but it's really the SEC plus Clemson. Mm-hmm. So people say, what about stay in stadium? Well, just, you know, take 200 and play the games and have, you know, play them in different stadiums around the country with uh, you know, 2,000 people in each stadium. each stadium. Mm-hmm. Plenty of social distancing. I, I, You know, I imagine the people in Columbus will be ticked if they have the <laughs> LSU-Texas A&M game out there in Columbus. Right. But... <laughs> They'd see some really good football. They'd right. see some really They'd good. They finally fo- get to see no, no they, but um, it's funny because you so maybe major- have seen that quarterback they gave up, that guy named Joe Burrow, you know? <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> um, so major league baseball. Uh, I wondered if this could work in college football. They said, "Listen, what what, what if we?" broke things down regionally. We did away with the divisions and things like that, but you would play people within, you would play teams within, you know, a, a couple hundred miles from, you know, from your team. We do away with AL, do away with NL. So the Nationals would play the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, the the this would yeah, be kind of yeah. and and for a year, that's what we would do. I wonder if you could almost do that with college football where teams, especially if schools are back, teams would literally just play schools in their area, which basically is your conference. Um, and that's all that, and you know, and then maybe towards the end of the year, if everything's calmed down, we can do a championship that way. But you just pay, play conference games close to to to, to the schools.
0: That's that's thought. we're gonna have a college football season. Well, because that way NFL we could season. at
1: least let the Pac-12 play. I mean, they're not gonna figure into any national championship, but at least the kids get to play. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, good. All right, to be considered. We'd love your emails on that. I'd love your emails about what uh, kind of petty inconvenience. Not, you know, hey, I lost my job or my right. husband's driving me crazy or but something you, you miss. So, yeah, gosh. You know, like I'm worried about college football season. A friend of mine says, I haven't played blackjack in, you know, three months. I'm going nuts.
1: I haven't gone to the barber shop in two months. Oh,
0: okay. I'd send a picture and <laughs> put it up on the website. Maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I was thinking about my picture. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Bennett did a little cut on me. So she, because of TV, I, you know, I was getting a little scraggly. Uh-huh. So she did a cut on me. Nice. I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm over 70 and I have uh, underlying conditions <laughs> like most of us. But I want to go out to dinner. So I was thinking, you know, my white hair I've always kind of treasured. But maybe I just dye it brown so I can go out. <laughs> Get a fake ID, you know, under my own advice, (laughs) you know, when we open up, we should open up not just geographically, Mm -hmm. you know, open up the south and all Uh first and, and, you know, where there are no cases. We should also open up demographically.
1: This restaurant only serves those over 65 with pre-existing health. Uh,
0: Well, you know, there are a lot of these markets are opening up early for people with, uh, (laughs) you know, with uh, who are over 55 or 60. But how about a seniors hour? Right? Yeah. We'll just all go in there and infect each other. What do you <laughs> say? I don't mean to make light of it. Some, right. Somebody's. Gonna, it's okay but I mean, to laugh, come folks, on, right? Come it's on. okay to laugh a little bit. I mean. Come on. Yeah. You know. you got to be able to. Right. Yeah. Well, he found out the average age of, you know, of the decedents in Italy was 80, 83. <laughs> come on. All right. Um, <laughs> let's talk to Joel Farkas. He's a smart guy. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, let's welcome Joel Fargus to the show. He's a director of the American Strategy Group. I'm a fellow at the American Strategy Group here in Washington. Joel, welcome back to the show. Good
2: afternoon, Bill.
0: How are you, sir?
2: Well, I'm. Um, uh, it's another work day, each and every day.
0: Boy, don't I know it. Don't I know it. Joel, um... There's a lot going on, and I, just, I I hate to give you a single topic because you flow like a waterfall with, uh, with smart stuff. but one of the things you and I have talked about and this audience knows you know the, the history and, and has followed it, and it's been of great interest to many of them. There's the whole question of blue states, red states, big cities, smaller cities, uh, movements uh, west and south, um, movements out of uh, large urban areas. Talk about that a little bit in light of this, um, what I call this pandemic panic. I'm not sure it's truly a pandemic, but it's a panic. What effect is that having or will it have? And uh, does it affect the larger trends? The
2: effect it has been having is now happening faster. We've talked about uh, those uh, urban areas, red states, blue states, a lot in terms of how it affects middle-class families and the cost of living, the high cost of living, and something more reasonably affordable so you can raise families. But there, there, there's more to that, and it's more to than just the cost. Uh, it's the confinement and the cost. Uh, where, where are these, what happens in these urban areas specifically? The, uh, you have places like you know, New York and California is the easiest places to look at. In the United States, they have the highest in, income inequality. Um, in some case, cases in California, the income inequality is worse than places like Central America and Mexico. Um, they have this thing called the Gini Index, G-I-N-I, and it's, a, it's an index that measures income inequality through specific cities and regions in the world. And when you look at the income inequality, the the richest and the poorest in the ratio, California and New York have the highest in the United States. Californians rate of growth of this index, the negative part of this index is faster and in many places in, the, in in the regions of California, it's worse than what you would see in Mexico and Central America in terms of income inequality. And these are two places what,
0: that would pat themselves on the back in terms of equality, right? Human rights.
2: Sure, that's their the that's poor. their stated objective. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be a, an architect or a land planner or, or a planner for the future, you go to the top 25 universities in America, and you're going to get a master's degree or maybe a doctorate degree in that discipline. Every single one of those schools is named urban planning or urban and regional planning or urban something or other. Urban is in almost every single title if you're going to learn that. And that's where this comes from. It comes from this the, the academy of these academics who, are, who preach at the altar that urbanization is the only good way for the future. And What You know, we we know what urbanization has looked like. You have, again, L.A., San Francisco, New York, um, other metrics. The highest number of people living per room, by far greater in those places than any other place in the United States. The highest cost to acquire or even rent something. Um, In some places in California, the the cost of a house is seven times your annual income, Um, the Electric rate in urban the urban northeast in California highest in the United States in California double that of Nevada and Texas so the, these are these are our, our metrics metrics and statistics but what does that do what does that mean in, and how do we get there you know who, who are they who are they that said this is good well the they is almost every elite academic Economist or public policy maker in the United States—that's um, who the they are. Uh, there's a, a fellow, a, a, a legend in urban planning. He, he, uh, he founded basically the Urban Planning Institute, at my, my alma mater, UCLA. His name is John Friedman. He just passed away a few years ago, 91 years old. His crowning achievement was writing about uh, the, the rise, the peaceful rise of China, and he has a he has a stated affinity the Chinese philosophy and culture. And one of the top reasons he gave for writing this, because he said it's the most impactful thing he's seen in the 20th century, the most most impactful thing in the 20th century, the peaceful rise of China. His stated reason, one of them, was the urbanization of China. It went from 12% to now more than 50% in, in the coming years more than 300 million more Chinese will be urbanized. Um,
0: what did he? The, uh, first of all, Joel, what did he mean by the peaceful rise? Did he, did he not hear of Mao?
2: <laughs> all I can do is laugh. UCLA is one of the top urban planning degrees you could get in the United States. And the father of the urban planning department of UCLA said what I just said. Uh, apparently, uh, I, I would have thought he had heard of Mao because he came from, uh, I believe, from Europe. I think he came from Austria originally. I would have thought he would have read about that because he was a well-read man. But I just it, it, this is this is where uh, urbanization and, and 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 the mystical majesty of the aca- academics of urbanization comes from. Um, uh, oh, we right. have a, we have some other famous people that wrote books on this. Peter Calthorpe from san francisco he spent his whole career he spent his whole career talking about uh, and working by the way working for china on this and he's proud that he has convinced the world and his clients that you put people in a small urbanized area or actually a large urbanized area but confined um and what do you what's what's his uh, his happiness uh get rid of cars use mass transportation, public transportation, and create transit-oriented development around transit stations. And even in today's world, he still believes that is the finest way to create an environment for people to live.
0: Yeah, there some folks are living like that uh, in spades right, th- right now in New York. Talk about isolated. Is this thing... Um, this COVID-19 having an effect on uh, people having second thoughts about uh, these large urban areas. Now, L.A. doesn't seem to have anything like the problem New York has, to be fair, right? Not
2: the same, but uh, in interior areas of L.A., but L.A. is also a large urban area where people aren't on top. The biggest criticism you hear from people I have just mentioned, along with many others, Paul Krugman and Richard Florida and others, they would say L.A. is full of sprawl. And it's a, that's a pejorative, sprawl. Well, there's a lot of people who are not living on top of each other in the LA metro area. And
0: that's the reason, one of the reasons why they're not having the same issues. Yeah, maybe a lifesaver, not having sprawl. I mean, having this problem, yeah. right? Yeah, their word, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about the influence of big cities, urban areas. You know, it's great comments you made about urbanization and the, the magic of urban and urban studies and all that. I remember my alma mater, Williams College, Williams College. You ever heard of it? Yes, I have. So it's in the northwest corner <laughs> of Massachusetts. Beautiful community tucked in the Berkshire hills, the Berkshire mountains, uh, as green and, and lovely as a place, you know, that you've been that kind of, that part of the world near mm-hmm. Pittsfield near, you know, Tanglewood, you know. And I remember about two, three years after I left, they started an Institute for Urban Studies. What the heck is that about in the middle of that place? but as as a uh, as the artist said, I heard this story from one of my professors in law school once they talked to this German professor, this German artist who was making these absolutely unintelligible pictures. They said, oh, this stuff is crap, and he said, "Yes, but I'm a contemporary you know I so, said so, you know, I'm up to speed, so that's what that's what they did to be up to." to be up to speed. I'm wondering if the effect of this is to get some millennials to think, and this too, you know, and this too in New York. But the other thing I want to say about urbanization is I want to make your point and cosmologize it, as we say in philosophy, make it a little larger. Not only is the urban thing a kind of mark of elite respectability and a signal that you're, you know, in the right and you're on the right track. It's a trump card. Excuse me. I was looking for another word, but that'll do a trump card. Sure, Um, sure. (laughs) That is, I've been asking people this one of the reasons we're overwhelmed with all this COVID 19 stuff is not necessarily because the facts on the ground you know i've been part mm-hmm. of the unconventional wisdom on this challenging that yes it's the black plague it is not the black plague but you, you know why it one of the reasons it's so big out there is because it happened in new york yeah dennis yes. prager you you know dennis right yes great radio show he said he had a great thought experiment he said take north carolina and georgia and they have the same population as new york If this thing had started in North Carolina and Georgia and the same number of people on March 1st were sick, do you think New York would have closed down? (laughs) Not a chance. Not a chance. They would have said those chicken farmers and, you know, those poultry guys, those... Poor guys, not a chance. So it's a state of mind, I, or the urban thing is kind of a state of mind too, isn't it? Remember, remember the yeah. New Yorker map of New of New, of the country. You remember that map? And, yes. Uh, yes. I, it, was, it was New York, and then I think Staten <laughs> Island, and then and then like a thin sliver of the rest of America, and then San Francisco, L.A. Yes,
2: it's more than a state of mind. It's an academy of thought. Paul Krugman, the, the Nobel Prize-winning economist. Uh, well, economist won the Nobel Prize based on research on what he called economic geography. And that was based on the fact that uh, in the future, the only centers of knowledge and creativity and innovation will and and, and 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 opportunity is urban areas and that ultimately the world will be a series of large urban areas and there'll be no reason, no 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 purpose for Rural areas, suburban areas, exurban areas, any other place. Agriculture is basically irrelevant. Um, uh, middle America is basically irrelevant. This is his focus of study a dozen years ago, and he won the Nobel Prize for it. There's an Oxford professor whose his discipline is human geography instead of economic geography. Same thing, basically. Um, you know, he anybody who criticizes an urban lifestyle. He will say, "Well, they, 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 they don't understand. In, in Europe and in Tokyo, it works very well because these are where good people respect one another better. Um, which is the inference is anyone else who criticizes that has no respect for others. These are the, the, the adjectives used to criticize people who want to live something other than this." This, this force-fed urbanization is a series of just nonsense.
0: And we set the rules. We set, we set the realities. We determine and define what matters. Uh, our mutual friend Seth and I thought, I had a brilliant point. I said, you know, Cuomo did a lot of stuff wrong. I know he's being celebrated everywhere. But, you know, one thing he did. Did you know that he sent um, uh, older people with COVID-19 into nursing homes? Yes, I do know that. I mean, what, 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 the, what, what sense did that make? Anyway, none. But none. But but Seth said to me, "He said that's not the worst thing he did." I said, "What's the worst thing he did?" He said, "He told the rest of the country that what he was facing, they'd all be facing soon. It's a train It's coming your way. We're the canary in the coal mine. We're the canary in the coal mine it's coming your coming your way. There's no way to yeah. stop it. And, and and you know what? Because of the fact that." We have so many college graduates who went to those schools and studied with those professors you're talking about, Joel. A lot of people believed it.
2: And they apologize for somebody criticizing and identifying what urbanization does, and in particular, what China has done and continues to do. It's You know, you know what we were talking about uh, six months ago? We were talking about China as it pertained to the NBA and... We were listening to Adam Silver, who runs the NBA, saying that it was regrettable what was said by the general manager of the Houston Rockets, who simply tweeted, stand for freedom, stand with Hong Kong protesters. And the NBA went absolutely berserk and said, they are losing enormous amounts of, of money due to this regrettable, unfortunate thing that this guy said. And they were shocked. And they were apologizing, and LeBron James came out and said this Daryl Morey shouldn't have done what he did. the general manager of Houston because he didn't know what he was talking about, and that he was ignorant for saying what he said and 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 he was un- he was actually excuse me he didn't say ignorant he was uneducated and apologized um, and LeBron James wanted to make sure everyone knew what he meant when he said that. And and, and LeBron said, you know, we we have freedom of speech, but the ramifications and the negative can happen when you're not thinking about others and you're only thinking about yourself. That's LeBron James's description of why the Houston Rockets general manager was uneducated.
0: Right. And no, I should say, I'm sorry, you're not anti-basketball. No. You actually go to Lakers games, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't get my insight on,
2: on human liberty from the Lakers starting lineup. Well,
0: they may have lost some money, but I understand they're in for some government grants here. <laughs> 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 what, the, what the heck is that all about? Uh,
2: the part that you appropriately raise is... Not only does it make any sense in what doesn't, you know, what people are, are the, the elites are saying, but it's 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 also the apologies and the um, you know the, the the denigration of of, a, of, a, of an American citizen or U.S. citizen and the propping up of anything that some other foreign country, in this case China, does, and it's just bending over backwards in, in almost like a strange yoga position to do and say anything, to say, we need to work with one another. We should not criticize anything someone else does because they are important. We respect them. We admire them. And no matter what, you really need to work with them. And, and, and I mean, if anybody has ever been in a work setting or owned a business or, or got a loan, would anybody ever say, I'm going to work with my lender who has taken advantage of of me and stolen from me no matter what because we need to work with each other. Or my 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 employee who my employee who did something poorly, I gotta admire them no matter what. Or the employee looks to the boss and the manager. They treated me poorly, no matter what I need to admire them. Or goes, I mean, the example goes on and on and on. The answer, is, of course, not. When someone wants to steal from you, harm you, or hurt you, you don't. You don't stop criticizing. You hold up and stand up for your ideals. That's what you do. At least we do that here in America.
0: Let me ask you this. I want to get into another area here. It's the intersection of uh, politics, business, government, and this quote crisis close quote. Tell me not to be with my head half down. A president I thought was cruising, uh, records everywhere, you know, jobs, employment. This thing hits. I think, you know, I think there was an overreaction in the country. Um, probably, you know, made more, more so by Cuomo than anyone else. Because he was given so much airtime and he had this doom and gloom. But, but also, these scientists with these stupid models that said 2.2 million of us are going to die. But as a result, I, I don't know what the count is. is two, four trillion now? Out? Is that. And, and you know, the president's and you know doing these briefings and uh, daggone it. Tell me this is going to be all right, Joel. It's going to be all
2: right because the American people are going to make it right, and they are making it right. The American people. all all are going to go back to work and they are going to come back with a vengeance. Now, I don't know if this is a V-shaped or U-shaped or whatever shape this is, but the United States has not been decimated by this virus. The United States has been attacked biologically and economically from China. That's what this is, whether it was purposeful or not purposeful. The result is the United States is under attack. And it's an economic issue, and it's a biological issue based on the virus and, 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 medical, and, and medical circumstances. That does not mean we cannot respond, and we will respond. And the we, by the way, is the American people. It is not the head of urban planning institutes, the economists, or venture capitalists, or hedge funds and private equity who invest in China. They are not who we need to look to and look for advice. They're not going to help us because they have such a massive investment. They can't do anything other than try to make it okay with China. This is not about making it okay with China. This is about making it okay with the United States. The American people are going to do
0: it. But Joel, I mean, you're absolutely right. You started in the academy, but now, if you look at the people who want to go out and go back to work or demonstrating and stuff, have lost their jobs. Uh, the, the opposition to them is not just the uh, faculty at UCLA or, or MIT. It's, uh, you know, a lot of these Wall Street guys yeah. uh, who certainly don't yeah. want anything to happen to China. It's the media. It seems yep. to be most of the Democrats. You know, I mean, I, I know for some of these Democrats, they'll burn down the whole city, the whole country, in order to take, make sure Trump's in the fire, you know? But, yeah. but, ha- but I, I believe more harm has been done, including lost life by the uh, shutdown orders, lockdown orders and from the virus, and I think that's going to be demonstrable pretty soon. But I've talked to a lot of economists, and, you know, I don't know how reliable. They're about as reliable as predicting epidemiologists. But economists I know and and like and trust who I think have been reliable have said, I said, "How how much longer can we take this shutdown of this economy? And they've said to me, maybe one more month, and I'm not sure that we can make it back with even one more month. I mean, this has been extremely harmful.
2: This has been devastating and harmful is, is is not even close to the right word. It is it is staggering. There's been never a circumstance where so in such a short period of time such a devastation of. Um, and I don't want to use the word economy, a devastation to human living, human existence, human interaction has occurred. Um, many of the big issues we've seen over the, over the history of the world, they've gone, on, they've gone on and on for a long period of time. This is instantaneous compared to all of those, and that's absolutely true. We can't, can't dismiss that. I don't know if the economists are right that you can only handle it for a month or more, but I, what I... You know, they, it's 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 an it's an estimate. I don't know, but what I do know, when I say I know, what I feel and believe, and I'm certain of, that people in the United States who admire their freedoms and their liberty, that didn't get decimated. That 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 actually got got re. re it's a rebirth. It's a uh, the, the the love of liberty and freedom is something that the United States citizens are not going to take. From either their elected officials or foreign government. They're not going to take it. And we're seeing that. I don't know how fast that, you know, that rebirth continues, how fast it happens, how fast the economy comes back. But that didn't get taken down. It got actually reversed. We see it every single day. They're going to reclaim and defend their freedoms and liberty. And that's what's going to bring the economy back. I don't know if it's a month. I don't know if it's two months or three months or or any. I can't predict that. But the trend is unassailably positive upward and hopeful
0: yeah you, you know you make a great point I hadn't thought of this before but um yeah I think that American spirit is right and and you know the left tell me if you agree with me saw this as an opportunity to get their agenda and their progressive agenda and of course with their progressive agenda a big part of it is coercion yep and they push too hard and they push too hard you're grabbing a guy off the bus because he doesn't have a face mask on you're telling a guy he can't throw a frisbee to his daughter at a park people go wait a wait a second you know Dennis Prager again says you know our we're living in a police state. Now, maybe, you know, uh, the first month it looked like maybe you have to live with a police state for a while. But now the returns are in. You don't need to be doing all this. You know, keep the right. folks with uh, debilitating conditions at home and let the people go back to work. So they push so hard. I think of the great phrase of the, one of my favorite writers, Flannery O'Connor. You have to push as hard as the agent pushes against you. And these progressives were pushing pretty hard, and the American people are pushing back
2: and i, and I want to, that's absolutely true and I want to I uh, follow up on another comment you made uh, about you know the investment group, the wall Street groups, the private equity groups um, um American people are not cannot look to them for the answer because here's here's their position on this that, that they being these people who have tremendous investments and we're talking about nike and Microsoft and all these big companies um, they're going to explain that yeah the chinese um, they're, they're, they're not exactly like us, but here's all the wonderful things about Chinese, and this is why they do what they do they're they're, they're fanatics about stability, you know they, they, they they believe that collectivist common good is, in society is, is more important than individuals. And it all sounds uh, some sort of a, just a different opinion, but they do it very well, and it's how they are. And, you know, we can work with that. We can work with them. We can deal with them. Well, that's so patently, ridiculously untrue. And the private equity groups and the big companies like Nike, Microsoft, and others, and Google, and, 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 and Amazon, they know it's untrue. They know that what they're saying is just a way to let this gloss over. And let me give give you one more commentary on how how offensive those statements are, because here is what Chinese labor party, labor uh, directors say. This is what they say to their people. Um There's this this Guap uh, called uh, county in this province, western northwestern province of China in Xinjiang, uh, uh, it's, uh, and the labor bureau. This is their directive, the labor bureau for their, their, their people that are working up there. You, you take people, make people who are hard to employ. And renounce their selfish ideas. Turn, turn around their ingrained lazy, lax, slow, sloppy, freewheeling, individualistic ways, so they obey company rules. These are published directives. Now, that is not something that's explainable by our elite business class as being okay. Sure but it. the criticism, the criticism of an if you're an individual, if you believe in liberty and freedom and, in, and, and, and the rights of an individual. What we are dealing with is an enemy who doesn't agree with that. And we at least understand our enemy doesn't agree with that. What I think the American people are going to see more and more is our elite business class doesn't really care. They don't care. And that means they don't care about what the American people think. They're excusing away and explaining away someone they do business with, that they make by the way, trillions of dollars from, cumulatively, that it's okay and just deal with it. Well, we now, you mentioned all these, this group of people, it's not just the academics, it's not just progressive elected officials, it's a whole host of other people, and everyone now is forced to show their true colors. The alignment
0: looks a lot like the 2016 election alignment. These yes, deplorables is. are out in the street, and they're not social distancing, and they're saying they want to walk in the park, they want to go to the beach, they want to go to a yeah. restaurant. What's wrong with these people?
2: What's wrong with them? They're deplorable. <laughs> so that's what the Chinese say about their people. What do our, what do our elites say about our people? Well, if you the, the center, the superstar places to live are the cities. The center of innovation, the center of wealth. Uh, uh, Richard Florida wrote a book called the rise of the creative class so if you're not in these urban areas you're not creative you're something else this language this is a series of, of adjective word salad this language denigrating people who don't think that way or believe that way before it was just language now we're seeing something different and I'm, I'm inherently like you inherently positive um, but I'm also realistic and pragmatic. Uh, I was um, I was speaking with a good friend of mine, husband and wife, who has a wonderful business, and I won't describe what their business is. To, you know, it's, it's a private conversation. But they get packaging in boxes from China, and actually from the area of Luhan. So they texted their people they know that they're their friends of theirs. They know they text back and forth. They said, "How are you doing, Phil? And the text message they got back was so strange from someone that was they viewed was a friend. In the text message saying how they were doing, they're going back to work, they were praising the local community leaders and the wonderful Chinese Communist Party for everything that they have done, because they couldn't possibly be coming through, living through this circumstance without the yeah. amazing influence and help and assistance by the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. And she said to me, what in the world is this? And... Yeah. You know, obviously, I think her friend is probably being monitored. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty apparent. And her comment afterwards was, "You know, if we have to pay two, three, four times more for packaging, we can afford to do that. We're not buying any more from them."
0: Yes, and this, I mean, I, I, yes, I get it, and and she's right to react, and it's a great story to report. You know, I would say, okay, it's China, it's communist China. What bothers me more is how close. That impulse is here. Yeah, you know, the boot on the neck. I mean, I, I you know I've been talking about. You're, right. Adult, you're Mayor right. De Blasio, Mayor De Blasio. If you see someone walking, you know, within six feet of someone else, here's the number to call to turn them in.
2: Bill, you're correct. The that is that is the problem. That that has always been the problem. Is not them because we know what they do over there. It's here and. Um, De Blasio, Gavin Newsom, uh, to some extent Cuomo, maybe, you know, you go through city by city. Seattle, Washington, the state of Washington, if you haven't read their their lockdown order, it goes on and on for pages and pages and pages. Uh, you know, a, a pub, a public construction can be done, but private construction cannot be done. I'm kind of summarizing you know, hundreds of pages of lockdown orders. Somebody, All these people you're talking about, they're the ones who chose who gets to work and who don't doesn't get to work? That's that's the problem that you're uh, alluding to. You, when you put those kinds of powers and choices in the hands of a few who don't have uh, the middle class, uh, 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 middle class at heart, those are the decisions they make, and that is a problem. And we're stuck with those those kinds of people who are in power in the United States right now. My hope, my 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 only hope of counterbalancing that, counteracting that is the American people. I do not believe it's going to be anyone else other than the American population.
0: Talk about a consequential election, my gosh. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh the people. So a guy in the press conference asks Governor Cuomo, I think these people who work in restaurants and bars and, you know, they, they who are you know, certain kinds of construction areas and other kinds of manufacturing and small shop owners. You know, what do they do? You know what he said? Become an essential worker and you'll get a job. Think what about the that. Hell? What Who well, in the that? world gets the
2: authority, was elected. To be able to determine who is essential versus non-essential, unessential, guy, whatever. Right.
0: Remember, this is the same guy who said, "You know, make America great again." Oh, it wasn't so great anyway. Remember, that was the same governor. Yes, I do. I, 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 I'm showing my colors here. I'm just so sick and tired of watching. But your 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 your
2: concern is absolutely on point. Your concern of what we do here, we are at a we're we're at a seminal point, a seminal point in the United States, and the reason. You know, every time people talk about politics and things, they say this is the most important time. But this is the most, this is the one time
0: that we have never experienced. This is it right here. I agree. I agree. I think if you get Biden and the left in Congress, uh, we will have the boot on our neck. And I, you know, just it's going to be a hell of a thing. Joel, we got to let you go. We went over, um, probably went over on your day. You're a busy, busy guy and a productive No, it's OK. It's OK. You're, we are especially grateful for you, for how productive you are. You're a great supporter of us. We, we appreciate it. But great insights and, um, and keep them going. I unapologetically,
2: I admire individual liberty. And that's what we're fighting for now.
0: You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Hey, Claude, what's the story with emails? Are people ever responding to the show or they just listen and take it all in and just make their lives better? <laughs> well, there
1: are some who are listening in and taking the information and not emailing, but there are plenty who are emailing in. And by the way, you can email in at BillBennettPodcast at com. Uh, Let's see. We've got an email from our friend Shelly. Shelly Ladder. In Texas. Yes, in Texas. So she says, hey, Claude, here's appropriate golf here in Texas. Oh, this is uh, specifically for me, but I don't think you you mind us reading this on the uh, (laughs) podcast. Um, She says uh, uh, appropriate golf here in Texas is, number one, one person to a cart. You carry your own clubs uh, or you have a push cart and you walk, which is great uh, for good exercise. Uh, number two, players are to keep six feet apart, which is easy to do on a golf course. Uh, no touching the flagpoles. Again, something that is easy to do. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I play with my buddies, we don't even take the the, the uh, flagpole out. We putt with it in, and then we get the ball. So you don't have to do that. Uh, and she said her personal favorite, no rakes in the bunkers, so I don't have to take the... Uh, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, translate that into English. So when you hit into a sand bunker... Uh, and you try to get out of it, uh, you know, you, you splash sand everywhere. But it's courtesy to take a rake, fix the bunkers back, make it nice and neat for the players behind you. Uh, they say no rakes in the bunkers now, uh, and so there's no need to um, to rake the sand because it takes some time if you take multiple shots out of the bunker like most of us do.
0: I had no idea. I thought she changed context. It was talking about cleaning out her garage or something. <laughs> no. Rakes and shovels. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'm glad. Hey, so speaking of golf and, and 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 the cup. So we're watching. What are you doing at home? We're watching James Bond movies. Nice. And our son, our older son, is pushing for the you know the most recent ones because he, he likes to be up to date and this what's his name, the guy who's the the latest James Bond. But he's good. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mrs. Bennett and I are kind of partial to Sean Connery. Sure. So we were watching a little bit of Goldfinger. And I don't know if you, did you ever see Goldfinger. Yes, I did. I love Sean well, Connery. Uh, well, all right, well, you know, they go and they play golf in England. And uh you know, he and Goldfinger's maybe maybe cheating or maybe not, but but uh Sean Connery to James Bond says what watch this oh he says to his caddy. <laughs> and uh there's a he's a missing a ball and it's a slazinger. is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Slesinger, one, Mm -hmm. and he finds a Schlesinger seven, (laughs) and he puts it in his pocket, and the last hole, you know, Goldfinger nails it, and James Bond doesn't, and when James is uh, taking uh, the ball, he substitutes uh, the seven for the one, and he says, "Uh, Mr. Goldfinger, uh, this is a Schlesinger seven, not one. (laughs) <laughs> Forfeit. Forfeit game. Is that right? <laughs> right.
1: If you play with guys, who will do that. Yeah, no, that's funny.
0: Interesting. Because because he, he picked up somebody else's ball, and you're not allowed to do that. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, no. All right. Good.
1: Honestly, Next the best email. policy on the golf course. Uh, yeah, we've got, I understand. <laughs> we've got Paul Cornell uh, emailing us, and uh, it's about virus models. He says, uh, Dr. Bennett, uh, I admire your willingness to take a controversial a contrarian view on lockdowns and the danger of the virus. I would offer the following on virus models because I think it can help your case. First, models are only as good as the data they are based on. The Chinese government lied early and often and continuously on what they knew, uh, aided and abetted the uh, WHO, uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, this really hurt early efforts at modeling. Uh, number two, uh, you can't model what you don't understand. We can model gambling, weather, economics, etc., but we understand the uh, interactions of variables, uh, probabilities of occurrences, and the like. Um, COVID nineteen exhibits some unique properties. And third, infection models are subject to human behavior. What we do, uh, what we do, affects yeah. the outcomes. Yeah. For example, you and Cl- he went through a couple of examples, but you get what, he's, what
0: what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me deal with the first two. Um, uh, yeah, first of all, models are are guesses. They're guesses. Right. And, uh, you know, they shouldn't be used to dictate policy. They should be an input. But uh, we use this to dictate policy. This guy at Imperial College in London said 2.2 million Americans were going to die. And we went, man, let's shut it down. Boom, gang, lock it up. Second, Paul says, you know, the uh, Chinese underestimated, uh, you know, they misreported. There were a lot more people, a lot more deaths. Well... Goodness gracious if the models were based on that reporting if they'd reported honestly they would report they would have, the model would have projected 5 million deaths. Huh. Right. In the U.S. you see what I mean? Right. Correct. So, but I they've been, you know, this model keeps getting revised. I why does that why is that people keep a car that keeps breaking down? <laughs> it's no damn good, but as we get close to the end here in terms of the deaths, you know, diminishing rapidly, they're going to keep revising until they're close, and the day we get the last, you know, or the last few or the last 50 or something, they're going to hit that number, and they're going to say, look at that, we got it right in the end. Right. Yeah. Everybody will get it right in the end, but this was a disaster. I, again, perhaps the, one of the worst predictions, but, you know, there would have been worse, and, you know, the world's going to end and all this, but, but um, the most costly wrong prediction almost wrecked a world economy cost a lot of lives Mm -hmm. a lot of lives people talk about the virus here well you know maybe 200,000 kids died because they weren't able to get their measles and uh polio uh injections vaccinations go ahead yeah no thanks paul thanks paul very very thoughtful
1: yeah yeah absolutely i mean and it makes a lot of sense uh we've got another one from martha uh believe she's in denver uh, and she says, dear Dr. Bennett, must our government be solely responsible for taking action against the Chinese government for the failures that led to the worldwide spread of the virus that produces COVID-19? Uh, a unified boycott by the American people against products made in China, a boycott not sponsored by the U.S. government, but a boycott started by, uh, at the grassroots level could speak in greater volumes to the Chinese government. Uh, to the Chinese people and to all the companies currently making products in China, than anything our government could do. Uh, in addition, a boycott could happen quickly and quietly. Uh, it's just, you would appreciate your thoughts on the subject. We, the American people, are not helpless. Uh, thanks to our free market economy, uh, we have yeah, the power to yeah. speak.
0: Yeah, it's a fair point, but let me tell you why it's complicated. Uh, people, a lot of people have lost a ton of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've lost income. You know, I mean, I you know, I make some money uh, doing my, my my Fox stuff. I make a little bit out doing this mm-hmm. um and but you know a fair amount of my income comes from speeches mm-hmm. and uh, i don't have them i lost them uh don't, don't cry for me argentine i'm fine mm-hmm. you know we'll get by we're totally fine plus i my sons will be successful and they're going to support me in my old age
1: <laughs> right
0: as i frequently right. tell them and as they frequently do not acknowledge <laughs> anyway <laughs> But uh, the problem is is people lose the income, and people who are not making much lose a lot of income. they got to buy cheap stuff. Right. You know what that means, yeah. Chinese stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I see the point. Uh, gosh, there was a funny. Uh, did you see this video of this guy to the tune of Margaritaville? Wasted away in Coronaville. Have you seen it? No, I need to search yeah. for that. Search it. If you get it, you please put it on, this, on the podcast. Too. Okay,
1: yeah, I'll put it on our Facebook page
0: and uh but the one with one funny line in it is uh one thing i'll say about the, this virus you sent us it's lasted longer than any other chinese product i've ever had <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a hell of a good line isn't it? <laughs> yeah. kind of a yeah, kind of a sad dark but funny right all uh, right let's hear from that teacher
1: yeah Jennifer uh, Jennifer Brandt uh, emailed and gave us a little bit of her background, uh, so basically she said uh, she was having a discussion with an art teacher and wanted to know your thoughts so here's the email. Uh, we were wondering what education would look like next year. Schools have nothing but large groups and in close contact with uh, one another uh, in the music room, we play uh, instruments and do folk and do folk yeah. dances while holding hands, etc in art. Uh, They are using mass shared materials and the same in P.E. Uh, Our classes are very much about experiencing our art forms and getting physical exercise. Uh, Our classes are right uh, right now are optional, uh, which is funny uh, being they are required at school, but not now. I don't feel we are optional at all. Uh, What do people lean on on times like these? Which is a great point. Um, Yeah, no, it's good. Exactly. A lot of work goes into planning and trying to keep learning uh, interactive and get fun. and uh, Interactive and get fun. I guess they have some fun in the classroom. Uh, And curriculum taught in these last few weeks. Uh, The classroom teachers are working very hard all the time to make personal connections to the kids and teach. Uh, all while also trying to help our own kids homeschool. I know this is not the case everywhere as the states are all doing things differently. What will the long-term ramifications uh, of being out uh, be? Uh, how long will states uh, state test? Okay. Susp- okay. Yeah, you, you, you kinda no. get the gist. Well, I don't know. Thank you for all the podcasts. I love them. And enjoy your love of sports. Hearing stories yeah. of your family and Mrs. Bennett and uh, your rapport with Claude. Best wishes. Thank you, Jennifer. But she loves the sports talk, Well, so.
0: Good. Yeah, I hope I have something to talk about, because I don't want to be reduced to raking bunkers, whatever that means. Anyway, um, I don't know. I think, uh, frankly, uh, uh, Jennifer, I think most of the education establishment has behaved shamefully uh, in this uh, situation, Um, mostly screaming and complaining. Uh, And, of course, uh, you know, liberal Democrats are saying people in the schools need another 20 billion dollars. What for? They're not there Oh, to develop the online stuff. Well, it's already there. You know, I mean, that material material all over the place. Right. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I saw the uh, headline uh, a day or two ago, a headline that, you know, if they try to get us back into the schools, teachers, the two teachers union said, they're going to scream bloody murder. Unless we're absolutely guaranteed, you know, everything will be healthy. There's never such a guarantee. Right. Never. And the flu, you know, is going to end up taking more lives than this. And we don't close down the schools because the flu, And by the way, children catch the flu and numbers of children die from the flu. How many children have died from the COVID-19 in the United States? And they all had underlying conditions. I think I, th- I would send these kids back to school now. Um, not everywhere, maybe, but a lot of places. And I would extend it a couple of weeks. Uh, they are losing ground. You know, do we think this is important to learn your math, learn how to read, write, count, and think? We talk about the repercussions of this on the economy. What about the repercussions of learning? What are the NAEP scores going to look like in two three years because of this? We don't open in the fall because the teachers won't go in there? These children are virtually not at risk at all. They say, well, but yeah, but they, they, you know, they pass to each other and they don't get sick, but then they bring it home. Uh, arguably, the living at home and especially multi-generational families is more dangerous. So, I don't know the answer to the question, but I am so sympathetic to what you're saying in art and music. They pass around those instruments. I'm sure they clean them off, but now, oh my gosh, you're going to have to put them through a radioactive scrub. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they hold hands while they're dancing. And, you know, I've seen these lovely choirs on TV where it looks like the Brady Bunch, you know, everybody's singing. But um, we'd be able to stand together as a choir at some point. And um, it's sad. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I believe that the essential disciplines are math, English, history, science, art, and music, and um, so we should be doing. Okay, that's it. That's there we it. go. Thanks. Keep uh-huh. keep these coming. Um, uh, there's uh, there's some funny stuff out there about this. You can't keep Americans from. They'll make a joke about anything. You seen anything funny? You want to report?
1: Oh man, what am I seeing funny? You know. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people doing ridiculous dance videos uh, with this
0: thing that uh-huh. young
1: people use called TikTok. Has anyone talked to you about TikTok?
0: Uh, you know, Claude, yeah. if I get one more email saying, <laughs> we'd like to talk to you, but we'd like you to use Wazigub, you know. Well, I'm sorry. What? Well, I've,
1: yeah, I've contributed to that. So I have a colleague, actually, with a lot of meetings going on Zoom. Uh, yeah, Zoom. Apparently, his wife, who's a Montgomery County teacher uh, here in Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, where I am, uh, she she's had this teacher's meeting. She's doing Zoom, but she also is super paranoid about the whole virus thing. And so when he comes home from work in the morning, she requires him to take his clothes off at the door, take a shower, and then put new clothes on. And so he does this just to make her happy and to not, you know, disrupt the house. But she was doing a Zoom call in the bedroom, and he yeah. didn't know yeah. him. So he comes out the shower.
0: He had come out of the shower. And he comes yeah. out
1: the shower the way people come out of the shower. And, yeah, she's going, and so she's trying to talk. And have this, you know, professional meeting with these teachers. that are acting in the background. of the room, yeah. And he doesn't know that she's having this meeting until people are giggling on the computer. And he realizes that he, yeah, the teachers in, in the schools just saw as much of him as she has seen over the 10 years of their marriage. <laughs>
0: uh, let us hear your story right here on the Bill Bennett podcast. All right. All right, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's Bill at gmail.com. Please share this podcast with your family and your friends. We'll catch up next week.